the church say? Yeah. Everybody say? Yeah. All God's people say? Yeah. Amen. 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 Let's go to our Father. Father, we rejoice, God, just for who you are, for how you are the God of history. You are the God of science. You're the God of nature. For, Lord, you are truly in control of all things. And so we magnify you. We honor you. And, Lord, we ask for your word to pierce our hearts in such a way that we'll be transformed and that we'll renew our minds, that we'll surrender to your will and see the fruit happen in our lives of being just truly obedient to you, God and serving you. So, Father, I pray all of you and none of me to preach your gospel, your word, with power and authority to us, your people. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Authority, proper use or abuse. Thinking of authority, I have my own working definition. Authority is the power someone may have over someone, either by position, either by choice, not by choice, either through willful submission or passive submission. But yet someone can have authority over you whether you want it or not. Someone may have authority whether you give it to them or not. But yet understand that there is authority somewhere. Just as a child did not choose to have mom and dad, but they are under their authority. Just as maybe you did not choose who your present may be, but you're under their authority. Sometimes you may not choose who you may have authority, uh, who you may be, uh, have authority under or who you may have authority over. But yeah, you do have a choice. How are you going to respond and use authority? We, we, look, we look and see how people have abused authority. We've dealt with the responsive reading and about the emancipation. And, and many of you may understand how, how it, predominantly the African-American church will have watch night service. That's where that came from, that history was. They, they were up late at night watching the new year come in so they could celebrate being free in that new year. And, and as the story goes on, that truly everybody was not free until some two years later because the Emancipation Proclamation only freed the slaves that were in the slave states so that they could fight against their masters. Those who were still slaves in other states still were slaves. And so in the process of that freedom, of that liberty, they chose to accept liberty and freedom. We can look back how God brought back slaves to freedom, but yet we look back into the slavery time, that's where we get our Negro spirituals, that we have those who were oppressed, those who were under authority, yet saw something beyond their oppressor. They saw something beyond their earthly master. They said, as I will serve, I'm serving God. They will sing songs while they're out there working, just worshiping God while they were serving. They will do their job, and many times they did it very well because it, it impacted the economy. They had to do a good job for those houses to stay built. They had to do a good job in order for the cotton to be milled in so you could have the clothes to wear. And so they were serving, but yet they saw beyond their bonds and their chains. They had a hope. My question to you, while you're under authority, what's your hope? Many times you wake up depressed because you got to go to your job. 
hoping that it's going to be Friday. And you hope it's Friday and it's payday on Friday because you just might show up on that day. You maybe wake up and say at your job and you say, I should quit this job and get another job. Sometimes we're under authority and we're not appreciative for what we do have. And then, then I want you just to take a moment, think about how you hate your job or you don't want to work for your boss anymore, but think about somebody who just lost their job. They would like to be under authority, but yet they have nobody to sit under because they can't get a job. It's amazing how we take a lot of things for granted and we want to serve ourselves but forget that we should be serving God. In unity, how we serve and react to one another. In the letter in Ephesus in the sixth chapter, when you look in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, we see it's a continuation of Paul dealing with how we are all one body and one Christ. It's a continuation of how the household should come together in unity, going back how we should surrender to one another out of fear or reverence in Christ. Because in Ephesus, there were some rich people there, and these rich people had slaves, and these rich people could abuse their authority. Not even that, these rich people could be so high and mighty, they could abuse it with their children. Matter of fact, it was the rich society that came to Paul's rescue in Ephesus. They came and rescued him and brought him out. So it's pretty shocking that those who were high up were the ones that reached out to Paul. And so therefore, Paul had a a heart and a ministry for them and says, look here, I want y'all to live right. And we look into Ephesians in the sixth chapter, and we see how Paul addresses them. And, and it's amazing how first he talks to the children. I want you to see how he moves here. He deals with those who are under authority. Then he talks to those who have authority. So many times we get so caught up about what the other person ought to, we forget what we should do when we're under authority. We forget how we should be subservient, how we should be subject, how we should surrender, and not worry about the one who's over us because God will deal with them too. Look how, as it reads in New Living Translation, it says, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God. With all your heart, work with enthusiasm as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Mm. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master. Where? In heaven. And he has no favorites. We see here in the text that he first deals with the children to obey or a other way to translate to listen to your father or parents. And basically it's breaking down that children, you got a responsibility. 
somebody to wake up some kids around the hole and say, I hope y'all listen to the pastor right now. Children, you do have a responsibility. You need to obey your parents. And, and for the parents, tell them there's a blessing by obeying you. Tell them there's a blessing for obeying me. And now, now the children probably say, what's the blessing of obeying you? I'm glad, see, I'm glad you asked that, child. The word of God says that you may live long. <laughs> You see here, the, the promise here that, 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 that we see Paul reciting here, God gave to the children of Israel saying, if you obey me, good children, you'll live long in the land that I have promised you. Let's bring it to nowadays. Mom and dad said, if you, you live right, you can stay in my house. But if you want to act like you ain't got no sense, <laughs> you can go and live out on the street like you want to. And many times we see that how parents have thrown their hands up because their kids just won't listen. How parents are willing to give up because the child's heart head is just too hard. But yet we see here that when God says, if you obey your parents, you'll have, have a long life. But yet there's a condition here because the parents in the obedience of the child, the parents need to raise up the child in the instruction and in the admonition of the Lord. And I like this word admonition because admonition means that you instruct them gently to rebuke them, to correct them, to rear them back in, sort of like a shepherd's staff. The shepherd's staff will have pricks at the end of it and they have a long curving hook on the top of it. Now, you might be familiar with this word pricks because it told Paul, why do you kick against the pricks? The pricks, it was used to, to get a sheep when it was going off track to make sure it gets back on the right track. Sometimes it needed to be prodded in order for it to realize that it needed to get back in. And other times, if he just needed to gently need to lead the sheep, they'll take the staff, that, which was curved over, and gently says, no, nah, we're going in this direction now. So the staff was used for gently leading and also for gently correcting. Same situation that God is telling the parents that sometimes you got to let the child know they're wrong, but you got to gently bring them back in. Because it says, oh, fathers, do not provoke your children. or Do not make them angry. Do not cease them into wrath. Do you understand how you get more done with love than you do with hatred? Do you understand you get more done with encouragement than you do with criticism? Do you understand you can get more with a hug than you can with a slap? And so we need to understand that sometimes you might be angry with your children. You might be willing to knock them from kingdom come and not make them say, I'm going to slap you until tomorrow. But sometimes you just got to sit back and say, you know what, let me love you. Because we've seen here that, that this is right in the Lord. Verse 3 says, if you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on earth. Then verse 4 says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but by the way you treat them, rather bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from where? The Lord. So that means the family needs to be praying together. The family needs to be studying together. The family needs to be doing something together with the Lord. Oftentimes we say family, there's no family time. What is family time? Everybody in front of the TV in another room. Probably the only thing the family does together. We do what together? We watch different TV shows. Nobody knows what anybody's watching. Nobody knows what they're listening to in the music. Nobody knows what they're reading because they don't know what books they're reading. It's kind of a, a sad state now that when it's a sunny day outside, the kids will stay inside. I, I, I remember when I, we would go on vacation. I'd tell my mom, my dad, I'm bored. They'd tell me, go outside. It took me a while to wake up to realize there's always something to do outside, but I'd be inside bored. They're like, so go outside. Why are you telling me you're in this room? Go outside. Get a book. Do something. 
And we do the same thing nowadays that we will just do nothing instead of doing something. Well, God's beauty is all around us. And, and fathers and children and mothers, you could take the kid out and just take a walk around your neighborhood. That'd be a good vacation. It'd be a good time for you to teach them, too, about God. So look how God made that tree. See how that tree provides shade for that house? That helps me save money on my electricity bill. You know, you could let them know how God is moving in your life. Show them how the God takes to say, look at this street. You see here, God allowed us to have a street. Because back in the day, I had to go on a horse and buggy. That depends how old you were. You know, you just let them know how you got to school. To see how God has changed things and let them see God moving in your life. So when they hear you speak, they can see, oh, I see God moving. But if we don't raise them up in the Lord, there's nothing to teach them. There's nothing to show them. And then, then it's easier for the child to rebel against a wayward mother and a wayward father because they see you doing wrong, they will do wrong. But when they see you do right, it's easier for them to do right. That's how my father got me on curse. He asked me, did I ever see him curse? I was trying to think hard, trying to find a way he slipped up. But he whooped me before I could figure it out that he didn't curse. <laughs> I realized that if my father as a man that I respect did not curse, I had no need to use foul language in order to get a point across. If my father was able to articulate well and speak well, then I said, I want to be just like my daddy. If my dad can stand in front of people and talk and they respect him, then they can do the same with me without having to use foul language. But if my father was a bad example, then I would be just following his example, thinking I was being good. Our children are so susceptible. They're sponges. You know this. How they repeat what they hear, not knowing what they're saying. That's why you got to be careful. Definitely at the age of two and three, they will say all kinds of stuff. If you say in privacy at home, They'd be at school and say, my, my said the teacher is so-and-so. Wait a minute, hold up, hold up. Can't call the kid a liar, can you? Child not that creative. I know they're creative, but they're not that creative. They'll say some big grown-up words. <laughs> my mom said that that teacher's a jerk. Mm, that, that child didn't think of that on their own. That her mom say that. We got to train our children the proper way. We got to train them. We got to train them. Proper use. Oftentimes, parents, we, we, you may abuse your authority with your child, and then you lost all respect. And it's harder to gain it than once you already have it. Then he not only moves on from the children and the parent relationship, but he goes into the slaves and the master. Now, this may be hard for us nowadays because many of us do not see ourselves as slaves and masters, but yet let's put this into your working relationship. Think about how you might be working on your job and whoever your master may be. He may not be your slave master because you're being paid now, but yet he still is your master. And so the question is, how do you serve your master? Because all of us can fall susceptible of doing it with eye service. Serving while you're looking. You know how you maybe see the old movies. I'm shining, master. I'm shining. Don't you see, master? Master walk away. You go back to the whistling. Woo-hoo. That's what we do. You see, you see the good work I'm doing is showing up. And I, I was watching a, a movie that my father let me borrow, and, I, and they were working on the chain gang. And the chain gang told them they got to pave this road. And so they, one of them decided, you know what? Let's catch up with the boss. The boss was ahead making sure they're doing their job. So they running and doing it. Why? He, he did the job with enthusiasm. And since they did the job with enthusiasm, they got done before it was noon. They had all day off. Because someone asked him, what do we do now? He says, no, we just sit. And they just laughed. Because normally they work all day and work all night doing the job. But this time with enthusiasm, 
They went all the way to the end. Think about how you could show up on your job with a smile on your face, and the job be over before the day is over. But when you show up with your job with a frown on your face, and you keep on looking at that clock, it seems longer and longer. You be waiting for your lunch break, and it's still 10 o'clock. And you look back at it, it says 10, 15. You thought a whole hour done passed. And you just waiting for the day to go by. And that's the situation when we show up on our job with, without enthusiasm, not realizing, Lord, how can I worship you on my job today? How can I show up and serve you? Do you not understand that there's a blessing in that? Did it not say that God will reward those who does his work? He says, do not do it as you're serving your earthly master, but as you're serving Christ. But let me backtrack for a moment. Some of us ain't, are not even serving Christ. Well, you don't have Christ in the proper position of authority in your life. That's where the problems are starting. When Christ is not the reason why you live, then you need to find out what the reason is why you're living. Because some are living just for the city, huh? Money, 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 money. Some, some are just living just to just to get another paycheck, living just to be with another person on a Saturday night. But some of us are waking up every morning saying, Lord, I'm here because of you. And when we get our mind right, it kind of changes our perspective that as a slave, I, I may be working for my boss, I may be working for the people, but it's a joy. Do you understand that every morning I wake up and people ask me, what do I do? And I sometimes give them my scares and they say, man, that's a lot of work. But I say, it's a joy. Why is it a joy? Because I enjoy doing the work for the Lord. And then now, yeah, you say, well, it's easy, pastor, you do a passion. But even at my job at Social Security Administration Office, I said it was a joy to do that job because I was reaching people that I never would have met. And it was an opportunity for me to serve them with a smile. But this was the icing on the cake that some of them, sometimes they came and visit Zion. And they didn't know I was at Zion. They just knew I was the guy at the Social Security Administration Office. And next thing they noticed, I knew it was something different about you. And I said, praise the Lord, because I realized it wasn't me. Samuel can have an attitude, y'all. Samuel could tell somebody where, where they can go and how fast they can do it. But when they came in, I said, Lord, uh, I don't want to be me, but I want you to change me in order to be served. So when I rose up on my job, I went to my master and said, Master, what can I do today? My, my supervisor will give me a job, and I will do, get, do, get it done with enthusiasm. And guess what? What did he do? Gave me more work to do. And I took that more work and I got it done. And so good that in three years, I became one of the top workers in my department while other people were there for 20 years. I done caught up with them. Why? Because I came with enthusiasm, realizing from my father, from hard work, that I got to work until the job is done. No need just to, just to do a little bit. Let me do it while the boss is watching and when they're not looking. Because it's not God always watching us. Does he not see what we're doing in private just as he sees us in public? So we ought to live our life in private like it's public just as it's in private. Some of us get so caught up that we close doors and we turn off the lights. We think nobody sees us. But I'm glad that God is light and in him there is no darkness. 
And so like night to him is like day to him. So when we at nighttime, he could still see us just as bright <laughs> as a noonday sun. And so we need to be careful that, Lord, let me serve you every part in every part of my life. From childbirth all the way to wherever you place me, Lord, in position or authority. Or as Deacon Wallace said, until I retire from one job and move to another job. But, Lord, I want to serve you. Am I talking to somebody here this afternoon that we got to wake up and realize that I am not here by myself. Nor was I made just for myself, but I was made for God's glory. Do you need some help here? Just go back to Genesis. God said, let us make man after our own image. He did not say, I'm going to make Samuel Thomas Dern to entertain himself, but I'm going to make him in my own image, and I'm going to give man a responsibility to take care of this earth. Aren't you glad that God did not make you on an accident? He, you were not a result of a one night stand, uh, but you are a result of an omnipotent and all-knowing God. Uh, God knew what he was doing when he formed you and when he made you. Now the problem is that some of us act like we have no sense. That we as children want to be rebellious. We as fathers and parents want to be overruling and pushing our children out of the household. And then maybe we might be an, an employer and we might have employees that we don't treat properly. But I'm glad the text says, Master, you do the same. Wait a minute. Says, Masters, you do the same. Do you not see that in the text? Masters in the same way. Yeah, look at it, look at it, look at it. Because when I read that, it told me about the great master, Jesus. He told his disciples to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. He says that because don't just give him eye service, but give him all of your service. Don't just do it while you think others are looking, but do it all the time. And we see here in Psalm 62, 12, it says, And that you, O Lord, are loving, surely you will reward each person according to what he has done. And verse Deuteronomy 10, 17 says, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. Jesus is saying, look here, to serve God, and he will bless you no matter what. No matter you're a slave or free, no matter what race, creed, color, ethnicity, where you come from, to serve God and be blessed. So humility and be a slave to God. Yes, yeah, say I'm a slave of Jesus. It's an honor to say I'm a slave of Jesus. That's why Paul will use that term, I'm a slave to Jesus. That's why Moses was called a slave of God. And yes, they were some blessed people. Am I right about it? Too? All you got to do is look into the record. And now, as I said, it talked about the master. I think about the master. Jesus, during his last hours on earth, sat down with his disciples to eat. And the Bible says he was already down at the table ready to dig into his food. But he said he got up, took off his cloak and wrapped an apron around his waist. And went down onto his knees and wiped some dirty feet. Now, this is before you had the hand sanitizer. 
This is before we had that, that super cleaning soap and water to kill all those 99% bacteria. Our Lord got down on his feet with people's toe jams, ashy knuckles, toes, skin part might be falling off their heels, and he washed their feet. And he washed each and every one of them, knowing one of them was the devil, knowing one of them was going to betray. He washed each and every one of them, knowing one was going to curse and deny him three times. He washed every one of their feet, and he gave them a lesson. He says, you called me master, but I washed your feet. What is that telling me? That some of us get so caught up in our positions and our authorities that we think we're better than somebody else. Me as pastor, I, I'm not better than anybody else. I, I need to come and get low and wash somebody's feet too. Jesus set the example and says, look here. I washed your feet. And so in return, you ought to wash one another. I want you to ask your neighbor, when's the last time you washed somebody else's feet? Ask, ask them, when was the last time you washed somebody else's feet? Husbands may be looking at wives. Wives might be looking at husbands and say, you ain't never washed my feet. Well, you got an opportunity to wash their feet tonight and show them how I want to serve you in fear and trembling of Christ. I want to serve you like Jesus served me. I, I want to honor you as Jesus honored me. Jesus, he was fully God and stepped in to man's flesh. He turned in a crown for thorns. He left a throne for a cross. Do you understand here that Jesus had all authority, but he was willing to come subject to man's authority to defeat death. Why is it so hard for us just to submit to a God who's willing to give us so much more? What is it that is so hard for you to do a job that you're being paid for with excellency? Why is it that we oftentimes got to follow behind somebody's back and hold their hand because they don't understand the world responsibility? But yet when we can hold them by the hand and train them in such a way that we can show them, hey, let me show you how to do it. Sometimes as a leader, you got to serve who you're serving so they know how to do it right. Sometimes you got to set the example. That's what Jesus did. He said, look, I am master, but y'all don't understand how to wash feet. Let me show you how you wash feet. This is how you do it. I want us to see Christ as true authority. And everybody that's around you should be your master. And as they're, as they're being your master, you should be what? Serving them. And some of y'all looking at me, I ain't going to call nobody my master, but then you need, to, you need to talk to God about your pride before it knocks you down. But I heard Jesus say, the greatest is the least. And if you want to be the best, you got to be the best servant. So don't get so caught up with trying to have a title if you're not willing to turn in that title for a towel. Don't get so caught up about your position when you can't put yourself in a humble position. Because until you can surrender to the authority of Christ, your service means nothing. Until you can honor whoever you're serving as, as, as if you're doing it for the Lord, it means Nothing. So the proper use of your authority is when you give it all up to Christ or you're abusing it. The proper use of your authority is when you give it all up to Christ or you're abusing it. So whatever you have, surrender right now to Christ.
Turn from your prideful ways. Turn from your selfish ways. And say, Lord, I do this because I'm serving you. Lord, I surrender to you right now. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Just meditate right now where you are. And where is it that you need to surrender to God? And so, Lord, I want to serve you in my marriage better, God. I want to serve you and being my parent to my child better, Lord. I want to serve you, Lord, as a child being better to my mother and father, Lord. I want to serve you, Lord, as being a better employee or an employer, God. I want to serve you, Father, as a better CEO or a better uh, uh, C, uh, CFO, Lord, or COO, Lord, whatever my position may be. Lord, I want to serve you better and realize God is not for me to lord it over anybody, but to be a humble servant to all because, Lord, you will judge me just as I am over them. And you will judge them just as they are under me. Because, Lord, you show no favoritism, but you bless all. I thank you, Father, for who you are in my life. And I surrender all to you, God, right now. Still every head bowed and every eyes closed. Someone here does not know Jesus. And they do not have him as their master in their life. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. So if that's you, we want to lead you in this prayer. Just repeat after me. If that's you, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again from the grave on the third day and that you defeated death. And I invite you, Jesus, to come into my heart and be my personal Lord and Savior. I thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. And now, Jesus, I live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. The church say amen. Amen. May we stand. May we stand. May we extend the hand of discipleship.